0: What city curses more than any other?
1: Oh Yeah, well, who the hell cares? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I do, and uh, okay. I'm going to find out if you know uh, where. Okay,
1: okay, okay. And my question is, aside from Earth, what other planets are home to diamonds? Hmm. Mm, hmm. Get that spaceship ready. <laughs> We're I'm, taking off. I'm ready to go. Answers to those and other questions coming in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. Welcome to the Off Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, Marcia, what Murgle Fighters City <laughs> swears like Murder Verse Virgil?
0: It's hard to do, isn't it, Bob?
1: Yeah, without actually yes. doing it.
0: Well what friggin' city, Bob, swears more than any other?
1: In the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now remember we had a question about the meanest city? Or the most rude city yeah. recently, and I think it was Philadelphia. Yeah. So I'll go with Philadelphia. Yeah,
0: good guess, but no.
1: Oh, okay. New York. New York City.
0: Yeah, no, not at all.
1: Oh, oh okay. Chicago. You're,
0: you're not going to like the all answer, All right, Bob. What's, what's the it's answer? It's your beloved Columbus, Ohio. <gasps> what? Oh, <laughs> I know. no. Yes, that's right. Got more potty mouths there. On average, they swear 36 times a day. Wow. That's a lot. And second is Las Vegas at 30 times a day. Okay, and, that
1: makes sense. People uh, are losing money there.
0: Yeah, there, there. <laughs> you yeah. And Jacksonville comes in third at 28. Now, on average, respondents swear 21 times a day in general averages. But younger generations are more likely to use swear words. Gen Z swears about twenty-four times a day, mm. and uh, baby boomers swear only ten times per day. Oh, we're
1: getting nicer as we get older. I think so. Also, <laughs> it's
0: it's more vulgar as you get older. You think of it more vulgar. I do, although that doesn't keep me from swearing. Does no, it, it doesn't. No, no. no it and doesn't. Men swear more than women. Not in this house. And then, uh,
1: <laughs> so anyway, the swearing a city is Columbus, Ohio. Yeah,
0: you have to think about oh, that my, and get over my it. I beloved Buckeye the, State. The cities that are the lowest are number one phoenix and portland
1: oh people are happier there
0: apparently okay uh uh, they come in at 14 times a day and check this milwaukee and boston tied for second oh milwaukee wow yeah we tied at 15 and third place was san jose they came in at 16 and just for interest new york city they were fourth at 17, so
1: hmm. uh,
0: they might be rude and nasty, but they don't swear as
1: much as those little uh, dickens sur-
0: over in Columbus.
1: There's Columbus. Yes.
0: Gosh, what's going on in Columbus? Anyway, that was the survey.
1: And the survey, again, was from?
0: Preply.com. They do nationwide studies on various fascinating things.
1: Preply. Sounds like they do it, toilet paper it surveys. does, doesn't does it? It? Yeah, yeah.
0: You need the Charmin bears in this or something. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. So you got a question on swearing. I've got a question on... On diamonds. Diamonds. This, diamonds. Is, this
0: is from my girlfriend, Mary, <laughs> who loves her diamonds. And she has some beauties. Okay.
1: Well, this comes from Britannica. The question is, aside from Earth, what other planets are home to diamonds? I never heard of this before. This is interesting.
0: Well, is Mars, do they have diamonds?
1: No, apparently not. Uh-uh. Two other planets, though.
0: Two other other than Earth yes. they, that we know of. Yes. Uh, okay, so. Uh, Pluto and Uranus.
1: Well, it's Neptune. Okay. And Uranus or Uranus, as you want to say, (laughs) uh, because they are so hot and dense, the atmospheres of those two planets actually crush carbon into diamonds and then they rain down from the sky. Where? Neptune and Uranus. Well, sign me up, SpaceX. Well, don't plan that mining expedition yet because the average temperature on Neptune is 373 degrees below Fahrenheit. That's mm. uh, pretty cold. Mm. And it's only slightly better on Uranus. Its average temperature is a frigid 353 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: It Be- rains diamonds.
1: It rains diamonds. But even if you could suffer those temperatures, the wind chill factor would probably kill you. Average wind speeds on Uranus. Are 90 to 360 miles per hour. So this would be a heck of a mining outpost. Okay. But there are diamonds on both those planets. All right. Okay. Who knew? Uh, not me. Okay, Bob. Bugs Bunny. Hmm.
0: What's up, Doc? There you go. See, I give you these gifts once in a while. <laughs> How many Looney Tune friends does Bugs Bunny have?
1: What do you mean, how many Looney Tunes friends? How many
0: Looney Tunes characters are there?
1: Oh, how many were there?
0: Oh, just a roundabout guess.
1: I would say there are at least a dozen.
0: Yeah. And was... Mel
1: Blank did almost all of them.
0: Yeah. Amazing. It is amazing, but no. How many? 105.
1: You're uh, kidding. Over pro- time, huh? Yeah,
0: primary and secondary characters. But the general lists, uh tops 200 characters. Wow. But uh, we're talking Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, Roadrunner, you know, can I hear Elmer the Fudd, Bob?
1: I thought i saw a putty tag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tasmanian Devil, Yosemite Sam, Speedy Gonzalez, Peppy Le Pew. And you're right, old Mel Blanc did a lot of it.
1: Where well, is that wascowey rabbit? And what
0: was on his tombstone? On Mel Blanc's... Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: on his tombstone? Yeah. That's all, folks. That's
0: right. That, we were there. That was cool.
1: At the Hollywood Forever Cemetery.
0: And the cartoon studio was founded in 1929 by Hugh Harmon and rudolph icing they were friends of walt disney
1: (laughs) oh no kidding okay
0: i don't think they were after they opened up this place but the first looney tune character was a guy named bosco b-o-s-k-o he was sort of a human version of mickey mouse oh really okay (laughs) and he wore a bowler hat and had a falsetto voice oh that's funny he made his debut in 1930 in a little uh, vignette called Sinking in the Bathtub. So I, <laughs> I don't remember that, but... Uh,
1: and then Mel joined with all those voices, and, and they, they started making characters based on his voices and his is impressions. Is how they did yeah. I say, I say, son, you know, yeah. all these things. <laughs> he was amazing. Okay, Marcia, you know, we do uh, Word Origins. I've got one here to mm-hmm. ask you today. Where did the term scapegoat come from?
0: Well, how curious that you should ask.
1: Oh, really? Yes. You know the answer? No. Oh. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It does come from the Bible, not Shakespeare.
0: Yeah, those are the two big uh, word origin things, aren't they? Uh, Well, it was about a goat. A goat, yes. Who escaped, uh, who had scape. It's a form of fur disease. (laughs) (laughs) All right, tell me. Okay, I think
1: I better... Handle this before it goes crazy. Okay. Okay, the term scapegoat was first used in the book of Leviticus. It described an ancient Yom Kippur ceremony where sins were symbolically transferred to an actual goat, which was then then driven into the wilderness. It became the scapegoat. I'll be darned. I don't know if escape meaning landscape or what, but yeah. that's where it came from. So the animal took on all your sins and then you're okay, but that animal is driven off into the hmm. wilderness.
0: Hey, interesting. Okay, Bob, according to the Physics Fact Book, which I read daily, <laughs> want to guess how fast raindrops fall? How fast they fall? Yeah.
1: How fast raindrops We're fall? We're
0: talking miles per hour here.
1: Oh, man. Okay.
0: You can give a range.
1: Okay, let me see. I'm just thinking of them falling down. Uh-huh. And I bet it's faster than I think it is. I'll it's bet. not ten miles an hour or anything. It's like forty miles an hour. No, not that. Oh, much. it's thirty miles an hour.
0: Well, it's between five and twenty. Okay. Yeah, a uh, larger raindrops fall faster than small ones, and a large raindrop is around the size of a housefly. And uh, uh, but I don't know, twenty miles an hour. Don't you think uh, anything hitting you on the head at twenty miles an hour? That's
1: pretty hefty. Yeah. If it was well, if it wasn't water. You, yeah. you could be in big trouble.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Twenty miles per, Five to 20 miles per hour is the speed of rain when it falls from the sky.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, take that to the bank.
1: <laughs> well, I've got something about not a bank, but a dome. A question uh-huh. about a dome, the U.S. Capitol Dome. Envision that, that big white dome, right? D- in D.C.? Yeah. Oh, okay. What color was it from 1959 through 1960? It wasn't white. Wasn't it gold? No. No, it wasn't gold. Black. No, it wasn't black. White, gold, black, what, what is, else? What is, that pink. Dome, what is the dome made of? It's iron. Oh. Workmen with special pneumatic hammers removed the paint from the dome, which was then sandblasted. And since that bare iron does oxidize quickly, it had to be treated, and they treated it with a red protective rust primer. Okay, so rust-oleum. Was, yes, right. <laughs> so the Capitol Dome was red for a period of time, 1959 to 1960. You can find pictures of it online. And then uh, the work done on the dome, they had to do the corroded and cracked metal repair, and they fixed the loose bolts and missing bolts and new bronze window frames and supports. But during that time, it was red. And I think that's funny because it kind of coincides with the red scare, you know? Late 50s, here's our Capitol dome. It's red. Oh, my God, it's red.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The red scare. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of that. Yeah, that would be funny. Okay. All right, Bob, what commonplace animal is born blind and stays that way for two or three months?
1: Really? Yeah. Is it a, is it a mammal? Yeah. It is. Okay. A kind of a monkey or something like no, that? No, it's
0: something that's around the house all the time. M-
1: mammal around the house? Mm-hmm. Wow, what is it?
0: Squirrels. <laughs> oh, they're born blind? I yeah. didn't know that. little babies. You know what the little babies are called uh, <laughs> by scientists? They're called kits, kittens. Kits are kittens. They're uh, born blind, and they stay that way for several months, so they don't leave their mother very often. That's why we don't see them eating our walnuts,
1: because they
0: can't see them. But mother's taking them through our attic to the nest. Oh, (laughs) jeez.
1: Hopefully that's not going to happen again. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That sounds like maybe it was a biological reason for the animal to stay with the mother. It's like, well, they'll be blind for a while, so it'd be dependent on the mother. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I have a question. I have an insurance question, Marcia. Okay. It's actually interesting. The world's first car insurance. Now, when do you think that was first issued?
0: Well, the first car.
1: 1898. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with accident protection or death. What was the first car insurance policy written for? What was the reason for it?
0: Well, the guy was going five miles an hour.
1: No? No. What is it? It's it's kind of funny. It had to do with horses, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Dr. Truman J. Martin of Buffalo, New York, took out the first auto insurance policy in Buffalo, New York, to protect him from any damages horse owners might claim if they sued the doctor, saying that the machine scared their animals.
0: Oh, see, I would think they would scare horses, don't you? Oh,
1: they they did, yeah. They did.
0: How long did they have to coexist? It well, wasn't easy.
1: On, on city streets and yeah. stuff? Yeah. That's why they had blinders, you know, to yeah. keep them from... What's, yeah. what's coming around the corner yeah. and everything?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that it was for somebody's um, horse. All right, Bob, think about this. What animal was highly trained and revered by ancient Egyptians? Now, I'm not talking about... Cats. They always like cats, and they domesticated them, or, yeah, or yeah. birds, or eagles, or something. But this was an animal that they actually trained to do a variety of amusing things.
1: Amusing things?
0: I think it's or amusing by today's standard. Not
1: not doing useful tasks. Amusing. Well,
0: if you call dancing and waiting on tables are useful, that is, yeah, useful. Were they
1: Were they monkeys? <laughs> yeah. Really?
0: Yeah, they were baboons. Wow. And they were much beloved by ancient Egyptians. Those guys were. Real cracker jacks, weren't they? Uh, they were trained to do a variety of things that we can see in their ancient artwork. Now, some of this I got to think is like the Onion magazine, right? <laughs> I mean, or those pictures with the dogs sitting around the poker table. Oh
1: yes, 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 yes. Yeah,
0: because they had um, they had these baboons dancing, waiting on tables, harvesting crops. <laughs> And they were even put on leashes and taken out to apprehend criminals. Oh my
1: goodness! <laughs> yeah, the baboons. And
0: they come Ooh. and they'd bite at the uh, the bad guys. So, yeah, that. Uh, wow. So it uh, they saw the baboons as the embodiment of Tho T H O T H, a god of the moon and wisdom. They had a god for everything and an animal to go with it, and that was
1: the uh, baboon. That's the monkey business of ancient Egypt. It is. Okay. (laughs) All right. I think it's time to take a break. Okay. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And me. And And Marsha. Smith. Yeah. We'll be back in just a moment. Of course you're you.
0: (laughs) Who else would I be? And we're back.
1: You're listening to The (laughs) Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Marsha, uh, we had a question on national capital. Now I have a question on state capitals. Okay. Okey-doke. Imagine the map of the United States. Which state capital is closest to Canada? Okay. Bismarck. Uh huh. Lansing. Uh huh. Juneau? Uh huh. Or Montpelier, Vermont. Oh, okay.
0: I was going to say Augusta. So
1: Augusta, Georgia. Maine. Oh, Augusta, Maine. Okay. Isn't
0: that, isn't that the capital of Maine? What are the choices again?
1: Bismarck, Lansing, Juno, or Montpelier? Juno. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And I ask you this because I thought it's kind of a trick question in a way, because uh-huh. you, you're always thinking, well, the border, let's see Bismarck, yeah. that'd be close to the border, uh-huh. right? OK? No. You're right. Juno. It's the only one that shares its border with another country, too. Yeah. Okay, Juneau is bordered to the east by the Canadian province of British Columbia, which makes it the closest state capital to our northern neighbors. Now, the other cities, Montpelier, Vermont, it's 52 miles from the border. Uh-huh. Lansing, Michigan is 81 miles away from Canada. Really? Yeah, well, you think about going over there yeah. to Detroit. So you don't think about that, getting to Canada from there. <laughs> so Juneau is the closest U.S. state capital to Canada. What other distinction does Juneau have? have in terms of size. It's the smallest city in Alaska? It's a small city, yes, but it's the largest capital in the United States by landmass.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Interesting.
1: Yeah, the city limits are so large they could contain the entire state of Delaware. Uh, Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, let's talk peanut butter. My Bob likes peanut butter.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes,
0: you do. And you know that by law, a jar of peanut butter has to be 90% peanuts.
1: No, I didn't know that. Yes. Well, that's why I'm here to enlighten you. Well, how you? much of the percentage of it is glass? No, you know, no. The glass jar. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean what's in oh, the jar. Good okay. God.
0: Okay. So my question for you, Bob, <laughs> mm-hmm. how many peanuts do you think go into a 12-ounce jar of Skippy?
1: Wow. Or how many Jiffy. Peanuts? <laughs> Skippy, Jiffy, any of those, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll bet it is huge. I bet it's six or seven hundred peanuts. Yeah, well,
0: you're not too far. It's five hundred and forty. It's wow. very, very precise. This all comes from the National Peanut Board website. Of course, which was full of fun facts about the peanut. And who? And this one you should know, because we all learned this a long time ago. Who is considered the father of the peanut industry?
1: Let's see, that was the black scientist. What was his name? Come on. Come on. He was famous, and he made a lot of things out of peanut butter.
0: Think of the first president.
1: George Washington Carver.
0: There we go. Thank
1: you. <laughs> ding, 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 yes. Ding. yes.
0: He was born into slavery in around 1864, mm-hmm. and he had an amazing, fruitful life. Among other things... Oh, Before sustainability was a pop culture to- topic, Carver promoted responsible farming practices like planting peanuts in rotation with cotton. Uh, they didn't do rotation before uh, George came up with it. And he was the first African-American to enroll at Iowa State University. He received his bachelor's and his master's degree from there. Mm. Uh, in 1916, he published a bulletin, How to Grow Peanuts in 105 Ways of Preparing It for human conception. He advised Indian leader Mahatma Gandhi on matters of agriculture and nutrition. Hmm. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. I didn't on. know that. He was an excellent scientist, and inventor, and an accomplished painter and pianist. I mean, oh, this guy. Oh, I didn't guy, know that. That's guy, interesting. This guy was a Renaissance. He was a man.
1: polymath. They call that now. Yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah, and he published forty-four practical bulletins for farmers. And yeah, he was, really
1: did useful things. That's for sure.
0: And he invented peanut butter.
1: That's right. The most useful of all.
0: And that's where I got that from. The good old. Peanut butter Except site. they
1: couldn't figure out a way to keep it from sticking to the top of your mouth.
0: <laughs> well, put in a loaf of white bread and
1: <laughs> wipe it out. Okay, from about the same era, Henry Ford. Uh huh. Another great inventor. What did Henry Ford's first car lack that we now expect? Multiple choice question with these potential answers. Thank Marcia. you, Bob. Lights, steering wheel, brakes, reverse. <laughs> what did his car lack? lack. That we now expect. Reverse. That's exactly right. It didn't have a steering wheel. It did have a tiller, though. You know, that was one of those things. But he didn't have reverse. This is from his 1896 quadricycle, which rode on four bicycle wheels and was powered by a four horsepower engine. Okay. The gearbox only had two forward gears with no reverse. Just add a reverse to the car there, Henry.
0: Come on, Henry. We need to back up. Come on. How are you going to go back? <laughs>
1: going go in
0: circles park? all the time? Come on. <laughs> Imagine trying to park.
1: That's an interesting fact from a new trivia site I found called Cocotrivia.com. C-O-C-O of Trivia. Like yeah.
0: Coco Chanel?
1: Like Coco... Yeah, Coco Chanel.
0: Okay. What is the only letter in the alphabet, Robert, with more than one syllable?
1: The See? only letter that has more than one syllable? Go
0: ahead. I'll wait.
1: W? That's it. <laughs> oh, I
0: thought I had to go through the whole alphabet before.
1: Okay, it could be L, M, N, O, P, but that's more than one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you just have that at the top of your head? Yeah, I did. Basically. Oh. oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. According to my Guinness Book of World Records, what is the greatest number of children born to one
1: woman? Oh, wasn't it something like 15 children? ha, ha, ha. No? No, no, oh, no. this poor no. woman. What was, <laughs> did she have more than one husband that put her through this? No, or? no, no. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Whoa.
0: 69, Bob. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yes.
0: It's the first wife of Theodore Vassilou.
1: Wait a minute. The first wife? Yes, I'll get to oh, that. Oh, that poor soul.
0: Whose name is believed to be Valentina, a poor woman in the book of records. They didn't even put her name down, but they think it's Valentina. Uh. Uh, They were Russian peasants. What uh, better occupation to have have 69 children? children. Oh, my God. It was in the 1700s, and she gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets, a total of 27 pregnancies. And amazingly enough, 67 of those 69 babies survived infancy. Wow. Well, she probably died from exhaustion. No kidding. uh, And hubby Fyodor remarried and guess what had 18 more kids ah oh,
1: no his wife had 18 more kids hubby didn't have any yes, kids I
0: know and oh, that's I God. added I added them up that's 87 kids worth of child support.
1: Jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the difference between those days and Every, now. And
0: everybody got a potato for Christmas. Oh,
1: my God, if they got that.
0: Oh, God. 87 oh, kids. Oh,
1: Lord, and that poor first woman. All oh, those children. No wonder she died. And then he went on and married another yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah.
0: Can you imagine you're the woman? You're dating a guy. Yeah,
1: you have kids. Oh, yeah. I got 69 of them. What? Okay, Marcia, speaking of children and naming them. I've got more of these famous people and what their real names are. And oh, okay. I want you to guess. Sure. Okay. This is an easy one. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a gentleman who was born William Bradley Pitt. You might call him Bill Pitt, but we call him...
0: Wild Bill Hickok.
1: Brad Pitt, Marsha. Oh. William Bradley <laughs> Pitt. i was so- Think about
0: it. <laughs> well, that was my first guess.
1: <sighs> that was the easy guess, Marsh. That was my that first was guess, the easy but one. I thought Oh, there. that was supposed to be the easy one. Okay, okay well, it, give me the harder one. It's ones. getting harder now. <laughs> okay, here's one. Her name is Robin Rihanna Fenty. Mm-hmm, That's don't know. her real name. Don't know. She goes by her middle name, Rihanna.
0: Oh, Rihanna. Yeah. Is that what you said, That's, Rihanna? Yeah,
1: Rihanna. Now, she's an actor and singer from Barbados. Well,
0: I would have known that. I didn't he- understand what you were saying. Say I it said again.
1: her name was Robin Rihanna Fenty. What's oh, her stage name?
0: Rihanna. Yeah. Okay.
1: She told Rolling Stone that her family and friends still call her by her first name, Robin. When I hear Robin, I pay attention. Oh, okay. Okay. Tell me who this person was, okay? This is an actress. She was very famous in the 50s and 60s, okay? Mm-hmm. Audrey Kathleen Rustin. She was baptized Etta Kathleen Hepburn Rusta.
0: (laughs) I think I got it. Okay, what's her name? Audrey Hepburn.
1: Audrey Hepburn, yes, that's right.
0: This isn't that hard, Bob.
1: Well, the first one was very easy, and you couldn't get that.
0: (laughs) I thought it was too easy, so I went for something else. All right, let's
1: do one more. All right. All right, now see if you can get it. Okay. All right, Albert Einstein. Yeah. What did he have to change his name to?
0: He changed it from Albert Einstein? This is
1: an actor whose real name... Oh, was Albert... Albert Einstein. Was it Albert Brooks? That's right. Okay. That's right. And he actually comes from a uh, show business family. His mom was a singer. His father was a comedian on the radio. His brother, Bob Einstein, was also a producer. He didn't have to change his name, but Albert had to change his name. Yeah. So he changed it to Albert Brooks. I'm
0: a big fan of his. Yeah.
1: Can Uh, you imagine being born Albert Einstein?
0: Hey, Einstein, (laughs) you should know the answer to this one. (laughs) I never heard that one, huh? <laughs> All right. Last question before my quote. Why do we say someone with money is well-heeled?
1: Oh, I'm sure it has to do with the fact that you could afford better shoes.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, but no.
1: No, it's not? mm Well-heeled. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Give me a moment. Well-heeled. Mm-hmm. So something about, is it something about the physical body, the heel? No. Not something about your foot? No. Oh, not, okay. Not about your foot. What is the answer?
0: Before cockfighting was banned in 1849... What? what? <laughs> yeah. Individual birds were often outfitted with little sharp steel spurs. What? Giving them an advantage in mortal combat.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they'd
0: put little spurs on their, their
1: feet, above their feet. So they'd be well-heeled.
0: Yes, they were well-heeled, and in the 19th century, the expression became slang for anyone armed with a weapon. But then, around 1880, the term began to mean anyone who was well-off financially and could overcome any obstacle with money instead of a weapon.
1: Wow, that's a strange journey that it took. It is.
0: So it started out in cockfighting.
1: Well-heeled. Healed. Yeah. So it could get by, it could do anything, because it had this weapon yeah. on its heels. Yeah. Okay. All right, Marsha, where is sticking out your tongue a common greeting? Other than the house you grew up
0: yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they weren't that kind, my older brothers. They're... Where
1: is sticking out your tongue a common oh, breeding and it's, why?
0: It's uh, it's not anywhere near here. No,
1: it's another culture. Yeah.
0: Is it in Africa?
1: No, it's not in Africa. Okay, tell me. It's in Asia. Okay. Okay, it's in Tibet. Yes. It goes back to Lang Dharma, who is a ninth century king, remembered as one of the cruelest leaders in Tibetan history. He had a black tongue. And because many Tibetans believe in reincarnation, uh, after he died, they began sticking out their tongues when meeting new people to prove, I'm not Langdharma. I'm not even related to Lang Dharma. I got a normal tongue. I got nothing to hide. I haven't got a black tongue. Yeah. 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 yeah Tibet. <laughs> oh. Isn't that interesting? And so that's like 1,400 years ago. They were sticking out there. Wow. So as the gesture evolved, as the centuries passed, some uh, Tibetans also started using it to indicate agreement or even respect. Stick your tongue out as a common, <laughs> a common greeting or a friendly greeting.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, and here's one that comes from a listener in England, Margaret Day.
0: Oh, right.
1: And uh, she asks, "What country delivers a baby box to expectant mothers?" What do you mean a baby box? Well, for more than 75 years, this country has sent a maternity kit with sheets, clothing, diapers, and starter clothes to expectant mothers for free and their goal to reduce the infant mortality rate. Oh. What country would be that?
0: Oh, is it a Scandinavian it country? It is a Scandinavian oh, country. Okay. I'll say I'll say Denmark.
1: It's Finland. Wow. Oh. The tradition began in nineteen thirty with low income families, but it became so popular every expectant mother was receiving one and expected to receive one. By 1949, the baby box, it not only includes necessities, but also toys, outdoor gear, body, suits, and a picture book. It even turns into the baby's first bed, the box does. Oh, really? It turns into a bed with a mattress and quilt included, and it seems to have worked. Finland's infant mortality rate is now one of the lowest in the world at 2.5 deaths per year. One thousand births. Oh. the baby box. Thank you, Margaret Day. <laughs> Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: Okay, all right. This first quote is from Ludwig Erhard. Aha. uh huh. Uh-huh. He says, "A compromise is the art of dividing a cake in such a way that everyone believes he has the biggest piece." Well, that is true, isn't yeah, it? That is compromise. He was,
1: I think, was he the German Chancellor, Ludwig Erhard? I don't I think so. Yeah, I didn't look it up.
0: And here's one more quote from Bruce Lee.
1: Ah, the late, great uh, martial arts actor. Correct. Okay, he said?
0: He said, I'm a philosophy major. Who knew, huh? Mm. That means I can think deep thoughts about being unemployed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he probably did. Yeah, yeah. But not
0: for long.
1: Mm. Oh, dear Lord. All right.
0: That's my old boyfriend. I remember Okay, that. well,
1: let's wrap it up. That's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed our show and hope you join us next time when we return. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. You've been listening to The, the Off-Ramp. Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.